Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 94. Guess what? Hi, Principal Matters listeners. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about communication and lessons in teamwork. First of all, let me just apologize for the sound of my voice. I'm recovering from some bronchitis and just a few days ago had lost my voice, so I'm happy that I can record this introduction. But this week, I want to transition to a recorded webinar that we did recently with my State Principals Association discussing my book, Principal Matters, The Motivation, Action, Courage Needed for School Leaders. It's the seventh in a series that we've been doing together. And I also just want to give a quick shout out to some friends in USA, Kansas. The School Leaders Association in that state has invited me to speak to principals this week in Wichita. And so I'm excited to join them for an assistant principals conference. I hope that you enjoyed this week's recorded webinar on communication and teamwork. And thanks again for doing what matters. Well, good morning, COSA members. Thank you for joining us for this seventh session of Education Leader Webinars. We've been walking through a book study on principal matters, the motivation, courage, action, and teamwork needed for school leaders. This morning, I want to start with a conversation about the power of communication. I once heard someone say that communication is 100% of a school leader's role. And when I heard that statement, I, I don't often like absolute statements. But when I heard that statement, I pondered on it for a while. And then I began to think that, you know, I can't think of one area of a school leader's responsibilities that does not involve communication at some level, whether that's spoken or written or group or to communities or to students or to teachers or planning ahead or updating websites. There's all kinds of ways that communication is an important part of what we do in school leadership. And so today, I just want to share some tools, some ideas of ways that you can enhance communication with your team. And then I'll show you a couple of uh, tools from my digital toolbox that I've used to enhance communication with students and teachers and communities as well. So let's just walk through a few of these together. And then I'm going to actually show you um, some samples of some that I've used as well. But first, just let me walk through 10 quick tips I can't think of anything more powerful when communicating with my communities than group emails. And, you know, before I was a site principal, as an assistant principal, I would often have conversations with parents when I ran into them at events, and they would come to me with concerns or questions. But when I started taking time to email out parents, alerts, highlights, things that were coming up, scheduled events, Then when I was running to them at events, they were coming up to me with conversations about the things that I had already been emailing them. I think sometimes it's important for school leaders to preempt the conversations by starting the conversation first. And so instead of waiting until something negative has happened, for instance, to communicate parents, begin by communicating out the positive things that are happening in your building, alerting them about events that are coming up so that they feel informed. And there's lots of ways you can do this. Sometimes your student information system allows you access to parent emails. I've actually used a MailChimp account for parents where I've taken their email addresses and 
allowed them to be subscribed to a subscription email list so that they can unsubscribe later. And I've had some parents who've remained on that list even after their students have graduated because they want to stay updated on the things happening in our school. So we had a school at SkyTook of 9th through 12th graders with 750 kids, but I had over 800 parents on my group email list. And I used a MailChimp account also because I could schedule out my emails too. And so I didn't have to necessarily be sitting at my computer for it to go out when I wanted it to. And so that's just one tip on ways to enhance communication. A second way is your daily announcements. And I know schools do this in lots of different ways. Some do this with video, some do this over the PA system. I suggest that as you are announcing things daily, that you have some kind of way to embed that and duplicate it in other places. So on our big screen in our commons area, we would often display our daily announcements either through a PowerPoint or some kind of promotional slides. We would email that out to teachers so that they could put that on their smart boards between passing periods. And so making sure on a daily basis that you're touching based with all of your students and all of your teachers on the happenings in your school is important. And I know that it's often difficult in the high school setting for kids that are off campus to get those messages. So we would often take the same daily announcements and place them into a remind and allow our off-campus students that were concurrently enrolled or enrolled in technology centers to subscribe to that remind alert and they could receive those announcements even off campus. The third tip I have today is newsletters. If you have a teacher or a group of students who are great at putting together information, then let me suggest the power of using a school newsletter. And we had a great teacher in my building who was also a desktop publishing teacher. As great things were happening in our building and we were sharing out photos or celebrations, he would collect those throughout the week. He had a group of students that would help edit those and put them together in a student newsletter form. And then they would send it to the office for us to edit and improve. And that was something that was sent out every single week to parents so that they were aware of what was happening in the school so that teachers could see the celebrations that they had been aware of and so that students uh, were highlighted too. Newsletters are a powerful way for you to summarize the great things happening in your schools and get those out to parents just like emails. The fourth suggestion is this, update your websites. Now, I know that every district has different policies and procedures and processes on websites, but if yours has not been updated recently, make sure that it is current and make sure that it links to things that aren't outdated. And so one of my summer chores as a school leader was to always go back through the website for my specific building to make sure that things were updated, to make sure that things were current. And if you have someone on your team that's helpful with that, make sure that you're communicating to them so that you're duplicating good information on your website, just like you are anywhere else that you're communicating with, with parents and community members. The fifth tip is this. Utilize the power of emailing teachers, but let me make a suggestion. I think one of the difficulties that principals have and teachers have is that we sometimes over-communicate ideas. And so instead of sending out an email every single time you think of something, write down your ideas so that if, even if it's once a day, you can put those all together in one succinct email that can be sent out to your teachers so that they're aware of things that are important to you and your staff with the internal operations of your school. Now, I had a fantastic assistant in my building who would put together a Friday summary just for teachers. And so she would gather together all of the great information, the important announcements, the upcoming things that teachers just needed to know, not necessarily parents. And she would send out a Friday follow-up so that teachers throughout the building had consistent communication and they knew every single week they were going to get that great summary. Tip number six for positive communication is simply being visible. And by being visible, 
That means you're there when students show up in the morning. You're in hallways greeting teachers and staff. You're at events. There's nothing more powerful to communicate to students the importance of the work that they're doing than by being present when they're doing it. And I know that it's difficult to be at everything. And so sometimes you can share those responsibilities with others on your team. But when it comes to events that students and parents consider to be important, in the, especially in your communities, then it's a powerful time to connect with people. And simply being visible often creates a lot of credibility. When you're having to do something later that's difficult or you're communicating something, for instance, there could be a crisis in your building or a disciplinary situation. When parents have seen you visible at their students' events, you've built trust. Number seven is this, monthly student awards. I can't overemphasize the importance of highlighting kids. And so sometimes you can do that through monthly awards. Some schools do that in different ways. We even had a a system last year where we had a Google form set up so that if you saw students doing good deeds throughout the day, you could enter their names, stick it in the Google form. It went to a specific spreadsheet so that every day on announcements, we could announce kids who had done great deeds throughout the school. And we kept a tab for the end of the year for a celebration and an award. But monthly, for sure, we took time to highlight a kid, a girl and a boy from every grade to make sure that we were recognizing students who had been nominated and voted on by teachers for their great performance. And so I think it's important that we take time to highlight our kids. Number eight is this, host celebrations. I was just reading an article this morning that ASCD had put out on the power of turnaround schools. And in addition to the important things like setting specific goals and having data teams and making sure that your curriculum is is in line, the last thing that they said that turnaround schools consistently do is celebrate. There's something powerful about taking time to make sure that you are hosting events and whether that's a, a, a big cake that you can celebrate with others, whether that's recognizing teachers uh, on their birthdays, whether that's pulling kids in that are new to your school for some kind of welcome to our school luncheon, whether that's an end of the year party for kids who have uh, excelled in some kinds of, of assessments, whatever it is, hosting celebrations gives you an opportunity to remind people of the positive things happening in your schools. Number nine is this. Advocate and and network. There's something powerful about connecting with people, not just within your school, but outside of your school too, just like we're doing today in this webinar. But you have neighbors, you have friends, you have colleagues across the state that are doing wonderful things. And so sometimes if there's something awesome happening in your school, share it out with other school leaders because they can become motivated and inspired by the great things happening in your school too. And often it gives them ideas of things that they can do. I also think it's an important part of being part of a professional organization like COSA. I've found a lot of value in the connections and the conferences and the presentations and the workshops that I could attend so that I could grow. And so communicating outside of your school with other people that are trying to do the same things that you're doing is a powerful way to enhance the work you're doing and the communication you're doing in your own school. And last is this. This is a no-brainer, but I can't tell you how often I've heard parent complaints about, and not just through my own school experience, but in other districts as well, about the fact that they don't feel like they're currently informed. And so there's something powerful about keeping your calendars current and making sure that you're sharing them consistently. Because when you're trying to manage a school with 300 kids or 700 kids or 2,500 kids, it doesn't matter the size. Every parent and every community member has a busy schedule. And yours isn't the only schedule on their calendar. And so the more quickly we can communicate out to them and the farther in advance that we can let them know things that are getting ready to happen, the better. That's why I think that schools need to 
publish their calendars a year in advance. Some districts, like the one that I was in, would do a two-year calendar so that people knew two years in advance what events were going to be happening throughout the district so that parents stayed informed. Now, let me show you a couple of tools that I've used uh, over the years in some of the communications that we've done with our teachers and students. And I'm not showing these to you as an exclusive list. This is just some, some samples of things that we've used. One of those that we've used is a website called Powtoons, and another is a website called Biteable. Both of these websites are places where you can create free promotionals about your school. There's already embedded text and visuals, and there's often ways that you can download music. And so we put together promos using both of those websites. This is uh, what the Powtoons website looks like. It creates slides. Uh, you can insert images that you have of your students all of those little transitions that you see with the words that are coming on the screen or the hand that slides in a word, all of those things are embedded within uh, the Powtoons format. As you're thinking about the things that are happening in your school, what's a way that you can put those together so that you can place them into some kind of website or promotional that's powerful for others to see? Another website that we use is called Biteable. And Biteable is a lot of fun because when we would make daily announcements, often we could take those same announcements, embed them into a Biteable presentation. And again, the images, the fonts, all of those things are already built in. And so you just have to choose which ones that you want to use. And there's all kinds of different slides. This one uh, is a specific format with color and font, but they have images. They have other ways that you can embed these. Sometimes before an assembly, it's great to put together some kind of presentation that can be displayed on a big screen. Again, we would send these out to teachers and so they could display them on smart boards as kids are coming through schools. So those are just a couple of free digital tools that anybody can use to enhance communication. And it doesn't require somebody uh, to hire someone in marketing to do those kinds of promotionals. This is just a quick snapshot of a weekly newsletter that we would send out. And again, I mentioned earlier that MailChimp was a format that I would use for emailing parents. And there are some templates within MailChimp that give you neat, beautiful presentation like this one. There are other uh, ways that you can do that with other websites as well, but MailChimp is one that I would use too. And this is an example of the student newsletter that we would do. And again, ours was simply done through a publisher account. And so you can, you can use all kinds of different accounts to put together beautiful newsletters, but parents, teachers, students need to be informed of the great things that are happening in your school. Some of our teachers would use websites. Uh, and so if blogging uh, is something that is interesting to you, we had a teacher that would do Tuesday tech tips. And so she started her own blog for that. We had another teacher that would do um, get a clue with Miss Purdue. She was a biology teacher and she would post her lessons on her website. And sometimes the use of videos with the movie maker or iMovie are powerful ways for students and teachers to be communicating about the things happening in your schools too. I think utilizing students for these kinds of creations are really powerful. Our student council members would often put together videos promoting games or activities that were coming up that we could share out on YouTube or uh, through Vimeo. And so there's lots of different digital tools that you can use. And of course, I love social media. And so we uh, were at our district, we had the flexibility of posting things on social media. And of course, we had to respect FERPA rights. And so if we had parents who did not want their students' images shared, we would know who those students were. But the vast majority of our parents wanted to see their kids and they wanted to see them celebrated. So we would make sure that that information was shared on Twitter or on Facebook or through Instagram and sometimes on a YouTube channel. And so there's lots of different social media ways that you can be sharing out the things that you do in your building. 
Now, I know that sounds overwhelming when you think about all the different options that exist, but you have people within your building that are already great at these platforms. So identify who they are and ask them to help. We had a great media center specialist in my building who really liked social media. So she was the person that we would push photos to and she would consistently post them all on these different places. One site that she used was called Hootsuite, which you, where she could schedule out these posts to go out on all of these areas at the same time. And so there are some places, um, some websites like Hootsuite and others where you can publish multiple social media posts at one time. We also used some mass communication tools like Remind, which is free, and Messenger, which was a, a subscription base that our school would use. And both of those were great ways to get a quick message out to everyone who was subscribed to, to either of those lists including some of our kids who were off campus. And so we would send our concurrent or tech kids reminders using Remind uh, because at the high school level, often you had kids off campus. So now it's your turn. What are some tips that you would add to that list of powerful ways to be communicating about your school? For the last part of our webinar today, I want to tell three stories and I want to use them as examples of the power and an importance of teamwork within your building. And so just as important as it is to be the chief communicators in our schools, it's also important that we continuously rely on those around us because collectively we can always accomplish more than we can by ourselves. And so I want to talk for just a few minutes first about lessons in teamwork. And I just want to use three case studies as a quick way to touch on some important points and takeaways of how we can grow together. And the first is a story about Mr. Charlie. Now, when my kids, my own children were in elementary school, we lived close enough to our local elementary that they could walk to school. And Mr. Charlie was the cross guard. And every single day, Mr. Charlie was the one who would greet them on their way to school, greet them on their way home. And he would tease them and he would say funny things to my son, like maybe if you paid your mom five bucks, she'd give you a ride tomorrow. Or he asked him if he had a girlfriend yet. And Jack and Katie, my kids, would always come home talking about how much they enjoyed Mr. Charlie. Well, one day they were coming home from school and Mr. Charlie was not there. And that night they told me when they came home, dad, Mr. Charlie wasn't at his post today. And I said, well, what did you do? And they said, well, we didn't know what to do. And so the kids kept lining up on the sidewalk, unsure how to cross the road until finally a kindergartner raised her hand and said, hey, who's the oldest here? And a fifth grader said, I am. And she said, well, then you go first and we'll follow you. And so all the kids took off across the street at the same time, yelling, we're going to die as they ran across the street. And as Jack and Katie told me that story, I laughed with them. And of course, I wanted to know the next day if Mr. Charlie was back at his post, and he was. But as I thought about Mr. Charlie, I couldn't help but think about the power of his part of the team of that school. And often as school leaders, we know because we get to be around our schools and see all of the great contributions that our team members make. But sometimes we need to be reminded of the power of every person who works within our schools. And so three takeaways from Mr. Charlie that I just want to remind you about today in terms of teamwork. Number one, you can never overestimate the power of small things. Being punctual, smiling, being prepared, all those little things that you do each day or that teachers do each day or the expectations that you want folks to have when they walk into your building, they communicate a powerful things to your student. And so a collective commitment to the small things makes school a productive and wonderful place to be. Number two, assuring that every student and team member knows that they're valued is so important. And so who are the Mr. Charlies in your building? 
Who are the people that sometimes do those things that maybe others don't see on the front end of school? Make sure that the people on your teams are being reminded that they're valued and that they're appreciated because I appreciate it when I'm valued and I know that all of those on our team do as well. And so you have a Mr. Charlie in your school who needs to be told that he or she is appreciated. And then number three is this. There's nothing as powerful for school culture as relationships. And when you look at the research on schools and you talk about rigor and relevance and relationships, all of those are important parts of developing a strong school. But culture drives all of those. And so there's nothing more powerful than the important relationships that you're building with students and teachers throughout your day. So that's case study number one. Case study number two is this. A couple of years ago, I heard a wonderful story about a little boy whose name was Tobias Bass. And you can see him in the photo of this screenshot. And the boy he's hugging is his brother, whose name was Titus. Titus has cerebral palsy and he can't walk. And Tobias, his 10-year-old brother, had a dream of, he had heard of a local 5K run that was happening and he wanted to run in this 5K, but he wanted his little brother Titus to run in it too. And he knew that was not possible unless he had a jogging stroller. And Tobias came from a family whose income was limited and he knew that his mom couldn't afford a jogging stroller. So he contacted the local TV station and said, I'm looking for a jogging stroller for my little brother so I could push him in a 5K race. And of course, they put it on the news and he immediately had a brand new jogging stroller that a community member had given to his family. And as I saw this story on the news, I couldn't help but think about the power of a 10-year-old's lessons to the rest of us. So here are just some quick takeaways from Tobias about teamwork. Number one, the power of giving moral support. You know that there are people who are around you who need your moral support. And one of the things that Tobias said when he was interviewed by the news was, I want to be the legs for my brother. And there are people within our schools who need our legs. Perhaps they don't have the resources that they need. Perhaps they don't have the encouragement that they need to do the work that they're doing. And so how can you be the legs of encouragement for them? Number two, often people need someone who's willing to listen for what they need. And Stephen Covey says that we should first seek to understand before being understood. And so how can we help find solutions for the people and be the legs for people in our buildings? Listen, pay attention to the things that they're asking for, and then create follow-up. Three, we can be the legs for people within our buildings by providing coaching and training. And by coaching and training, I simply mean how can we provide for them the feedback that's necessary for them to take that next best step. Maybe that's connecting them with a master teacher, or maybe that's bringing someone into your building who's an instructional coach, or maybe that's spending time modeling a lesson for teachers so that they can see what that looks like in the way that you're hoping students can be learning from them as well. Number four, how can you be the legs for teachers? By providing resources. And I know that often school leaders or principals have access to decide what percentages of their budgets will be used for coming years. Some districts do it differently. But in my experiences, I could often anticipate some specific needs and I could put aside resources that I knew teachers or students were going to need for a coming school year. In fact, almost all of the resources that I would be providing for teachers, I tried to identify the year before. So in the spring semester, it's a great time to ask teachers, what are you needing for the next school year? So that you can start ordering and providing those things and planning on them in advance. And then the fifth thing that I would learn from this 10-year-old is the power of outside support. Sometimes we have needs within our building that our budgets don't meet. 
But there are sometimes people within our communities who are eager to help if we simply ask. So whether that's a school foundation or whether that's a local business or whether that's a chamber of commerce or whether that's a local church, there are all kinds of organizations who are eager to step in and help if we have the courage to ask them. I can't tell you how many times we've had wonderful resources provided to teachers and students because we simply ask. And so think about this week how you can be the legs for the people in your building, just like Tobias Bass was for his little brother, Titus, by giving moral support, by listening, by coaching, by providing resources, and by seeking outside support. Finally, I want to end with today with a personal story. When my son, Jack, was eight years old, we took him to the doctor because we thought that he had strep throat. And so they gave him an antibiotic and sent him home, but he kept getting worse And soon he was developing a strange rash and he was getting weaker. And so finally we took him in and the doctor looked at him and she said, he needs to be in the emergency room. So we rushed him to emergency and a young doctor examined him and was wise enough to identify what he thought was a very rare disease called Kawasaki. I had never heard of this in my life, but he told us we needed to rush him to St. Francis Children's Hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so Jack spent the next 10 days of his life at that facility. At first, it was scary uh, because the procedure for trying to cure Kawasaki was a high, powerful antibiotic that when they administered to him at first, he actually reacted to it so badly that he went into shock. And we were afraid that we were going to lose him. And so they had to pull the, uh, the treatment away and allow his body to recover before they could administer it again. And so, This was one of those times in my life where I was in a moment as a father watching people trying to save the life of our son. But as a leader, I was also spending days and days and days in a place outside of my normal comfort zone, in a hospital setting versus a school setting. And when Jack was finally given the treatments that helped him heal, and we were finally home again, he has completely recovered. Uh, He has no side effects, and he's a healthy 12-year-old boy now. But when I looked back at that situation, I asked myself some questions about the work that I saw this amazing team of people doing to save the life of my son. And I wanted to just share some of those takeaways with you today, because I believe you're doing amazing work today to help the lives of students. So what can we learn from other teams that could help our team? So here are just four. The first one is this, uniting diverse team members around a common cause is powerful. Every one of the people that I saw treating my son came from a different background, a different different graphic. They were all from different generationals. Some of them spoke different languages. Many of them were from different cities, but every one of them shared one common goal. When they stepped into that room, it was to identify the needs of the patient whom they were treating with the common goal was to heal him. And so I was amazed at the diversity that I saw among these team members, but their concentrated focus on one action. Number two, knowing and executing your specific roles with professionalism. There were a lot of different people who took care of our son during that situation, but all of them knew their role. I'd never saw a technician trying to diagnose my son, and I never saw a nurse giving orders in terms of what medications to use because each person had a different role. Technicians drew blood and they did other administrations. Nurses provided their specific care. Each person knew their roles and they executed them well. And although we wear a lot of hats as school leaders, it's important for us to know our roles, but also the people on our teams to know their roles because when everyone is 
executing their specific roles well, then you're reaching powerful goals. And number three is this, reaching goals happens with both compassion and care at the same time. I don't think those are all exclusive of one another. And sometimes in schools, we get so focused on assessments or outcomes or graduation rates that we forget that we can do those things and at the same time, treat people with compassion and care. How do we treat the students in our buildings with the same compassion and care that we want our our own children to be treated? And as I watched people treating my son with the kind of care they would their own children, it made me rethink, how am I showing this kind of care to the kids in my school? And the last point is this. This was a teaching hospital. And every person that was on that staff was either a trained professional or someone in training. And so often, the doctors would bring interns in that they were training to help them with diagnoses or with administering care. And it was wonderful to watch these people do their jobs while at the same time mentoring and interning and training others in the process, which is a powerful example of what we can do in schools too. Because as teachers are teaching or staff are learning or principals are starting new positions, we can be modeling and showing each other ways that we're learning so that together we're a powerful team. Here's a picture of my family and Jack is the little guy over here, now 12 and healthy. And I uh, just last week we were at uh, St. Francis visiting a family member and Jack and I walked down to the wing where he stayed for those 10 days and just remembered how amazing it was for him to receive the care that he did um, so that he is a boy who's completely healthy. And when we look at our schools, we can ask ourselves those same questions. What are the areas among our teams where we can refocus on important priorities so that together we're serving our students with the same care that we would want our own children to be served? So let's wrap this up. This week, as you're thinking about how to enhance communication, think about some of the tools that we talked about earlier. What's one way that you can Try something new that you haven't before to enhance the communications that you're doing with your community or your teachers or your students. And then when it comes to teamwork, what's one way that you can help your team refocus on the priorities of serving your students like you would your own children as you finish out this semester? Principal Matters listeners, if you've listened into the end of this podcast, thank you for the time you've taken today. Any of the images that I've mentioned or tools that I've mentioned in today's podcast are linked in the show notes that accompany this podcast. You can check them all out at my website at williamdparker.com. Also, if you'd like to subscribe to receive weekly email updates from me, you can do it from your cell phone by texting the word eight hats, the number eight and the word hats, eight hats to this number, 66866. Text eight hats to 66866 and you'll automatically receive a message where you can subscribe for free weekly updates. Thanks again for listening. I hope you continue to serve your schools with purpose and passion and thanks for doing what matters.